Today on Blue 58, the Packers came out in about the flattest fashion imaginable and were deservedly beaten by the Saints. What happened? Why did it happen? And can it be fixed? Let's try to answer those questions. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Almost hesitated there and wasn't sure if I should say happy, but I am happy to be here with you. I'd much rather be talking about bad Packers football than no Packers football. And that is the choice here. We can either talk about no Packers football and we can talk about bad Packers football because it was bad Packers football today. If you're new to the show, here's how we do post-game recaps. We talk about what happened and why. We talk about three good things because I always think it's good to focus on the positive no matter how bad things were. We'll talk about three bad things just to even it out. We'll talk about what it means what happens next, and then we'll empty out the, the, the notebook with just a few random observations. Sound good? Good. So what happened today? Well, the Packers got their butts kicked. There's really no other way to put that. The Saints out-executed them. The Saints out-schemed them. The Saints did everything that the Packers couldn't do. They ran the ball well. They passed the ball well. It was just a completely one-sided game, and it's really hard to identify a point where it could have gone differently. Sometimes these things have a way of snowballing, like one thing goes poorly. And if you just executed differently at at one particular point, if one call went your way that went against you, something like that, you could see a set of circumstances where you have a different outcome. That doesn't feel like the case today. That doesn't feel, there doesn't feel like there's a, a slightly different scenario where the Packers are coming out on the other end of a, of a blowout here. The Packers just got whooped up one side and down the other. Why did that happen, though? That is the million-dollar question. I have a few theories. First, let's talk about the preseason. I am not ready to blame this on not playing guys, but for his part, Matt LaFleur is at least open to the idea. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look at a million different things that went on, and, um, you know, I think those are all justified, you know, just how we approached the preseason. You feel good going into a game having the majority of your your guys um, healthy and available, and then you go out there and put a performance like that together. I think it's uh, uh, I think it's uh, not acceptable. I guess the the audio cuts off there a little bit early, but um, Lafleur was at least open to the idea that playing or not playing most of his starters throughout the preseason may have been a bad idea. I'm not entirely ready to blame all of the Packers' performance, or even most, or to be completely honest, any of the Packers' performance on not playing guys in the preseason. But it's at least on the table. And uh, this is an exhibit for you if that's uh, that's the way you think about things. I think there is a, a bigger thing at play here. We'll get to that in a second when we close out this section. I think it's also possible, as we look at this game, that the Saints are a lot better than they look. I'm not quite ready to say that for sure, but it's at least a possibility because they were sure a lot better than the Packers were today. I think it's fair to say they're probably a better coach team, at least on one side of the ball for sure, than the Packers are. Um, But they were definitely better than the Packers were today. It's also possible that the Packers are a lot worse than we thought. Again, not quite ready to go there in week one. It is just week one. After all, there is a lot of season left. But Aaron Rodgers alluded this to a little uh, to this in his postgame presser a, a little bit too. The Packers were probably a little bit uh, high on their own supply heading into this game. They were reading the the press clippings and were thinking, "I agree with that. We are a Super Bowl contender. We're a great team, and we should we should just come in here and and take care of business." Uh, they 
came to Jacksonville and did not take care of any business at all. Uh, They just got hammered. But as I alluded to, the bigger thing at work here could be that this is just how the Packers lose. In addition to talking about maybe just being a little caught up in their their own, um, you know, press clippings, things like that, Aaron Rodgers did kind of allude to a previous game the Packers had lost in similar in similar fashion. Yeah, it's felt a little bit San Diego-ish from a couple years ago. We just kind of needed something to get going, and it was the same type of thing, long drives on their side and us not executing. So, you know, we had, I don't know, 10 plays-ish there. And, you know, it's 17 nothing, and we're in a two-minute mode on our third drive in the first half. So... That 2019 game he is alluding to is uh, when the Packers lost to the Los Angeles Chargers 26 to 11. Their second, well, their second loss on the West Coast. Their first, I guess, of two losses on the West Coast. Uh, Packers came out that day and fell behind 12 nothing on four consecutive uh, Chargers field goals. The Packers were just dead, really, on both sides of the ball. There, were unable to really. Uh, hassle Philip Rivers at all, and he just kind of cut him to pieces. Uh, the Chargers scored on, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six of their first seven drives. The Packers' first five drives in a row ended in punts. Uh, three plays, negative seven yards, six plays, five yards, nine plays, 37 yards, three plays, two yards, five plays, eight yards. That feels about right. It wasn't until the third quarter that the Packers scored anything at all, and uh, by then it was too late. They were already already well out of the game. And there's a lot in common with that game and in a few other games as well. Uh, the Packers come out flat against a physical team. They get pushed out of pushed around on defense and on offense. They get out of their game plan. And then it's just trying to play catch up from there. And they just rarely seem to catch up. Once the Packers are a little bit off off their game under Matt LaFleur, it seems like it's just over. The NFC Championship game last year is probably the best example of the Packers getting getting their nose bloodied early and hanging around. Other than that, if the Packers go down early against a pretty physical team, it's pretty much done. And uh, the Saints seemed like a pretty physical team today. They knew what they were there to do. And uh, boy, they did it. I want to talk a little bit more about that team personality here in a little bit under the the three bad things that we'll talk about. But I want to talk about good things first. I can't give you three uh, because, well, if we follow Matt LaFleur's lead, he doesn't think there were any positives. Somebody asked him in his postgame presser, do you think there was anything positive today? None that come to mind right now. I mean, the positive is it's, it's, it's a long season in the National Football League, 17-game um, season. So whether you lose the game 38-3 to or 38-37, it's all the same, and you got to bounce back. The Packers will have the opportunity to bounce back, but for right now, there's not a lot to bounce off of. So we'll talk about two positive things here. Mason Crosby converted his one and only field goal attempt of the day. Round of golf claps for Mason Crosby there. Uh, but also on special teams, Corey Bohorquez kicked the absolute crap out of the ball. Four punts, 44 yards uh, per kick on average, had a long of 59, dropped one inside the 20, his hold looked good on Crosby's one kick. Hey, welcome to town, Mr. Bohorquez. We got to see if this uh, this group of three is going to stick together or if the Packers will make a change at long snapper, considering they protected Stephen Wortel um, 
this week on the practice squad, so he couldn't be claimed. It kind of seems like things are pointing in that direction, though we didn't get a lot of opportunities to see Hunter Bradley today. What about the bad things? Start on offense. The execution was real bad. Uh, They were running a lot of spread formation football, a lot of five receiver formations with running backs lining up as a receiver, but a lot of static formations. We didn't see a lot of motion. We didn't seem to see a lot of creativity. Again, it's that fall behind early, get shoved out of your game plan sort of thing that you see frequently with Matt LaFleur and the Packers when things are not going well, and things were not going well today. Uh, It doesn't look like the Packers offense, just a lot of standing around out there. It looks like Mike McCarthy football, honestly. It doesn't look like this modern approach that we've seen from the Packers, and uh, that is concerning because things are not going to be ideal all the time, or even most of the time. And you've got to be able to respond in those situations. Under Matt LaFleur, the Packers haven't been able to do that. The Most of my frustrations, though, as bad as the offensive was, fall on the defense. Because the Packers brought back essentially their same defense from last year. They, they drafted Eric Stokes and they signed Devondre Campbell. But that's pretty much it as far as quote-unquote upgrades. That tells me that the Packers thought their problems were with Mike Pettin. It's very similar to when the Packers moved on from Mike McCarthy. They didn't change a lot of things around on offense from 2018 to 2019, even really 2018 to 2020 in terms of personnel. They were pretty clear about what they thought the issue was. They thought it was coaching. That scenario is playing out again here. And early returns, and I guess to be fair, we have to emphasize these are pretty early returns, but the early returns are not great. Rewind to last year. Rewind to basically all of the, all three seasons from 2018 to 2020. What were our main criticisms of Mike Pettin? His Packers defenses were frequently less than the sum of their parts. They weren't as, they didn't play up to the talent that they had. They got run on all the time. And they got surprised by obvious things again and again and again. So how does Joe Barry stack up through one week? Well, the Packers have a lot of talent on defense, but you wouldn't have guessed it by the final score. 38 points is, uh, it makes it pretty hard to argue you've got any kind of talent on defense. Run defense was bad. Alvin Kamara did Alvin Kamara things. A guy his size should not be moving the pile or falling forward for extra yards, yet here we are. Uh, he's doing again and again and again against the Packers defense. Uh, rushing for 83 yards, uh, 4.2 per carry. You know, you generally can probably live with 4.2 a carry, but the way he was running, it makes it really hard to justify. And speaking of Kamara, who was really the only big name remaining on the Saints offense? Drew Brees is retired. Mike Thomas is on the pup list. It's Alvin Kamara. Who do you have to stop? Alvin Kamara. Who didn't the Packers stop? Alvin Kamara. That's 0 for 3 on correcting Mike Pettin things. This is going to be an issue for Joe Barry. He can't just be okay because the last guy they had was just okay. He's got to be better. But instead, the Packers went to the clearance rack and bought a defensive coordinator. And in week one, they got a clearance rack defense. That is not good enough. And it's got to turn around quick. Quick. Because even with that 17-game season, even with some leeway there, there is a chance 
if the Packers stumble again in one of these next two games, you're looking at a one and two start to the season. That gets to be a pretty big hole to dig out of, especially if they would happen to fall to the Lions in the NFC North. Really, the Lions or the 49ers would be a pretty bad loss because both of those have pretty significant ramifications as far as playoff seeding here in the near future. Well, not in the near future, here a few months from now. But as far as bad things go, I want to finish with this one. And this is more of a philosophical one. This is one that I don't really have an answer for. And this is one that's difficult for me to even share because I'm not sure it's something I entirely believe in anyway. But it's the question of being soft. I don't like to level that accusation from the outside looking in. Because for one thing, it's kind of lazy. It's a catch-all insult. It's a pejorative more than analysis. Ah, these guys are soft. They can't play well. They can't play against hard-nosed teams. How do you falsify that? How do you answer that question as to whether or not a team is soft? And how do you defend against an accusation of being soft without just sounding like you're saying, nah, nah, I'm not soft. I'm a tough guy. I really am. I promise. So I'm skeptical of going that direction, but at a certain point, we got to ask it here. When you look at how the Packers have lost under Matt LaFleur, they come out flat and bad against the Chargers in 2019. They get bullied by the 49ers twice that same season. They get bullied by the Buccaneers twice in a year last year. They get bullied by the Saints this year. I mean, at some point, you're adding up a lot of evidence that shows no matter what you might say, about being hungry and tough and having some dogs on defense, you might just be a soft team. And I don't know how you fix that. Again, I'm not even sure it's something the Packers are, but it kind of looks that way a lot of times. How do you fix that? I don't know. It doesn't seem like Joe Barry, well, is the guy to fix it. He wouldn't have been my first choice to be the guy to fix it, but now he's got to fix it. Otherwise, the Packers are going to go through another season with a middling or worse defense. And, well, we saw how that played out down the stretch last year. What does this game mean? I don't know if I'm ready to go for meaning yet. But here's what we know it means for sure. First, the Packers are 0-1. And second, they have two more opponents coming up that are at least thematically similar to what the Saints do. The Lions want to be physical. The 49ers want to be physical. The Lions want to run the ball. The 49ers want to run the ball. Therefore... We, I think, can know for sure that we're going to find out real quick if the Packers' issues that were on display in week one are systemic problems or a one-off issue. I have a guess as to which they are, given that they've come up before, but I'm willing to wait and see. But again, we know for sure that other teams in the near future are going to test the Packers this same way, and the Packers failed their first test at it. Digging a little deeper than that, here's what it could mean. First, it could mean that the Packers should have played their guys in the preseason. This is, again, not really falsifiable. We have no way of knowing how playing in the preseason would have affected them in week one. It's possible they could have played their guys in the preseason and they would have come out and been just as flat. I mean, we've seen them play flat in games down the stretch before. That Chargers game was right at the middle of the season. They did the same thing two weeks later against the 49ers. They came out flat again in the NFC Championship game that same season. Clearly, 
you can still come out flat and bad with a lot of preparation. Still, I think it at least has to be on the table. Second, the Packers still have some work to do. This may be true about the Packers out of week one, but it shouldn't be unexpected. The Packers, I think, biggest problem, or one of their biggest problems the last couple of years is they've been basically a finished product pretty early in the season. And in some ways, this could be a good opportunity to learn what they need to do better. This is an early chance to go back to the drawing board and figure some things out. It could also mean that the league has figured out Matt LaFleur. just want to float this as a possibility. But the Packers are 1-3 and three against the Saints and Buccaneers in their last four tries against those two teams. Those two teams were two of the other three remaining NFC teams in the playoffs last year. You had the Packers and Rams and the Saints and Buccaneers. The Packers are 1-3 against the Saints and Buccaneers over the last two years. Those are talented teams with strong defenses that like to play a very particular way. And they've played that way to perfection against the Packers now three times in four games. What's up next? Packers take on the Lions next Monday on Monday Night Football. Lions lost to the 49ers 41-33 to today. Jamal Williams had nine carries for 54 yards as the the Lions were at least competitive against the 49ers. I don't think that was entirely expected. But, um, hey, if you can get that, I'm sure you'll take it. Clearing out the notebook. Um, Got to circle back to Josiah DeGuara's injury. Just a huge bummer. Um, You hate to see him dealing with another injury, especially one like this, a concussion uh, that may affect the rest of his season. Sure seems like it will probably affect him in the short term here for the Packers. A real bummer because he was was the player really that I was looking forward to seeing the most this year. Uh, We didn't see a lot of Amari Rogers or Randall Cobb doing the jet motion role today. But we did see Kylan Hill in the backfield at least once before garbage time. And I think this is something we're going to want to pay attention to moving forward. He was in with Aaron Jones in a two running back set, which is interesting. The Packers did that with Jones and Dylan a little bit last year. I would like to see more of that. And I would like to see more of uh, Hill on the field with Aaron Jones. The stat that Fox dug up today about the Saints going for 15 play drives back to back was absolutely incredible. And I thought it was worth giving a little bit more context to. If you didn't see it on the broadcast, the Fox crew said this was the first time a team has had back-to-back 15-play touchdown drives in a game since the Vikings did it on September 17, 2000. We saw it today. What happened in that Vikings game? Well, it happened during a 21-13 Vikings win over the Patriots that season. Even more unusual, it happened on the Vikings' first two drives of the game. They went 17 plays for 73 yards and then 16 plays for 80 yards, scoring touchdowns, obviously, on their first two drives. Uh, They scored on their next drive, on a shorter drive. Then their final eight drives of the game went like this. Punt, punt, fumble, interception. Punt, 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 end of the game. So it's a good thing they got those long drives in at the very start. Uh, Circling back to Kylan Hill, he dropped one of his only two real kick return opportunities today. Not great. There are other kick returners available on the Packers roster. I think they'll probably give him another crack at it, uh, but you'd like to see him handling that a little bit better. I hate to say that I agree with Troy Aikman, uh, but he was absolutely right on his description of the Packers' unfortunate roughing the passer call there in the second half. The odds were slim of the Packers coming back at that point, but 
a phantom roughing the passer call, turning an interception into another opportunity for the Saints to score, which they ultimately took advantage of, was just an insurmountable swing in momentum. I don't know what Zedarius Smith is supposed to do on that play. He gets to Jameis Winston right after Winston releases the ball. He hits him high and hard, but not in the head. He doesn't land on top of him. What is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to pull up well before um, before he even gets to, to Winston's, you know, like area code? How are you supposed to play defense at that point? Related to that, the referee for today was Carl Cheffers. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' history was with Cheffers, but he had a couple very heated run-ins with the ref. One of them, even before the Packers snapped the ball for their first play of the game, before the Packers even broke the huddle, Rodgers was chirping at Cheffers. That was strange to see. And uh, obviously there was at least one call uh, Cheffers made that affected the game in a pretty significant way. Passing game was obviously disappointing, but the run game was equally so. I think A.J. Dillon in particular was was disappointing for me today. He was stuffed on a third and one in the second half. You just can't have that happen if your entire if your entire game is you're this big bruising back that's going to come downhill and slam through the line, you can't get stuffed on a third and one. That's what you're there for. I got to mention Kevin King getting beat deep by a speed receiver. It happened in the second half. It was bad. But I honestly can't even be mad at Kevin King anymore because this is not Kevin King's problem at this point. This is the frog and the scorpion. Uh, I don't know if you know the fable. Look it up if you don't. Basically, Uh, The gist of it is, I might as well tell the story. The scorpion asks the frog for a a ride across the river. Frog says, no way, man. I can't do that. You're going to sting me on the way. And the scorpion says, no way. I would never do that to you. But they get out halfway through the stream. Uh, The scorpion stings the frog, and they're both going to die. The frog asks, why'd you do that? And the scorpion just says, I don't know. It's in my nature. That is Kevin King. Kevin King is going to give up big plays. And if you're getting mad at Kevin King at this point, you're getting mad at the wrong person. Because the Packers now have put him in positions again and again and again where that is going to happen to him, and it keeps happening, and you can't expect him to do anything else at this point. Even in his press conference, which I praised him for during training camp, he really didn't take responsibility for giving up his big plays in the NFC Championship game. He's he's just like, yeah, those are things i got to work to clean up. Kevin... The NFC Championship game is not cleanup time. That is go time. That is execution time. And I know he was hurt in the NFC Championship game, but he wasn't hurt today. And a guy got behind him again. And as frustrating as it is to see Kevin King give up those plays, it's even more frustrating to see the Packers continue to turn to Kevin King to put him in a position to do that. That's the big problem here. It's not Kevin King's problem at this point. I mean, it is, but we shouldn't be getting mad at Kevin King for continuing to play how we've seen him play for years now. What else do you want from him at this point? To play better, sure, but if you're holding out hope for that, that's a you problem, and that's a Packers problem. It's not a Kevin King problem, even if it is, sort of. Amari Rodgers got his first catch as a pro. It turned out to be an explosive play. That's pretty nice. Also nice that uh, Jordan Love got a completion there. Finally, to close it out, 
I was very surprised, considering that it was a point of emphasis this offseason, that we did not see any taunting penalties called in this game. The NFL said that we're going to call this. They called a ridiculous amount of them in the preseason, but no taunting penalties today. I'm not upset about that. Of course, it's probably going to come back and bite the Packers in a really inopportune time. But at least for today, no taunting penalties. Maybe I should have put that under the three positives. So I've got for you in this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, good for you. You can find joy in uh, sad situations. I would also ask if you enjoyed it, that you would share it with somebody you think would enjoy it too, because that's how we're going to continue to grow this show, get more people involved in this conversation we're having around the Packers, and ultimately help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Thanks for listening to this episode of Blue 58. We'll see you next time.